Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylogue team. Today we're going to be talking about the form of comedy, or sitcoms really. Aye. Um, yes. I, <laughs> so uh, we'll actually get to talk about something we like. Uh, so the, uh, the sitcom um, and comedies in general, people... Uh, typically think have a lot of sort of presuppositions about what you can do with comedy and what is and isn't funny. And there are three shows, two currently still on the air, and I think actually all of them, like the fifth season is coming out. They are all right? still on the air. Yeah, yeah. they are. So, um, and they've, they're all in some way um, really sort of... Um, Boundary-breaking, is that yeah, the way? Uh, yeah, they, they kind of like show you the... Uh, the depths and the extents of what you can actually do with comedy rather than that kind of safe middle of the road prime time type stuff mm-hmm. which is fine if that's what you want to do but not fine if you think that's how comedy must be yeah so this is um, more about saying that um we're kind of trying to highlight i guess the lack of restrictions in comedy not feeling I suppose, safe exactly yeah um i mean obviously comedy has its conventions and those are restrictions like any other genre but yeah that people are, are actually do um make it stricter than it needs to be um okay so first up is arrested development so arrested development and this is the one you refer to it is still it is on still the on the air. air they are about to have a fifth season of yes it. they had a huge hiatus for like 10 years but um, it was it was dead. It was, it was dead. Gone. It was cancelled. Uh, but then it came back for a fourth season, which did okay. And then apparently fifth season, which is good because it ended on a cliffhanger. And I, <laughs> I want to know what happens. But Arrested Development, um, for those, I mean, Arrested Development is one of those shows that people really love. And just to give a quick background, it was a show that um, took. Uh, and I'll explain why it took a lot of time to get into. And once you got into it, you really fell in love with it. And as it was building an audience, it got cancelled. Yeah. And then ten years later, Netflix, uh, one of their very first original Originals, shows, yeah, yeah. was to get the fourth season of Rest of Development done. And so they did a fourth season of Rest of Development, and now they're going to do a fifth one. And uh, Rest of Development is a show about uh, a family that is uh, in charge of like a real estate company and the father gets arrested and it's all about one son who has to keep his family together which is how the theme <laughs> tune always started uh, and it's very funny and it's about it's basically a family drama thing like a soap opera but it's hilarious and it's involved with these this sort of ridiculous real estate scam but what makes Arrested Development so um, remarkable and the re- also the reason why it took a yes. while to fall in love with was... the reason is because it's it's the only comedy I can think of which does long form plotting. I can't think of another one that does long form plotting in the way that Breaking Bad does, or yeah, whatever. There well, there there are other shows that sort of uh, I guess evolve over time, and there are plots that run yes. through multiple seasons, but it's not done to the it's not extent done. that Arrested no. Development is. Like for example, um, when you get a show like Frasier, which I love. Um, so a show like Frasier what they actually do is they have a certain dynamic in the cast that generates jokes and after about five years of that that dynamic is exhausted and they don't have any more jokes and so what they do is they just progress the relationship in some way and in Frasier that was Niles and Daphne 
uh, Niles has this crush on Daphne, and it's uh, it's one of the funniest things that Niles is just constantly trying to uh, <laughs> like he can't he's married and but he's totally in love with Daphne, and there's this great bit where Daphne uh, there's been a mix up with her wedding dress. And she storms in in this ridiculous, like, French-made equivalent of a wedding dress. Like, it's a mini skirt and all that, with cleavage and everything. And she just goes, like, would you marry me in this? And Niles just goes, yes! You know, like, he's just, like, all those dreams that are... All, it seems like the uh, all the wishes I gave that panhandler <laughs> coming true. Like, he's just he constantly in love with her. And it was very sweet and funny. And then after a while, like, that seemed to have just run out of steam for them. And then they had them get married. And then the laughs died. Uh, with it, but that wasn't long form plotting. Uh, they would have kept Niles and Daphne apart for as long as possible, uh, and they did. Yeah. <laughs> they kept them as well. Yeah. But Arrested Development isn't like that. Arrested Development has a progressing storyline that unfolds episode after episode that is plotted out and even planned way in advance. They have uh, setups in the pilot episode that pay off much later uh, because the 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 thing the show is built around is that the father of the family gets arrested uh, and we don't know why at first and as we find out more and more about the crimes that he's committed they throw things in that sound like just oh it's just a joke but it turns out actually no this isn't a joke this is really what's going on and like okay he's actually a patsy for this guy yeah. and and then there's all these it's like the saddam hussein link as well, <laughs> right exactly yeah. like he's been building homes in iraq yeah. <laughs> so like the way that builds up is the first time he goes i may have committed some light treason yeah. and you just think it's a funny gag and then like a season later you find out oh no he actually was building homes in iraq it's like something he's not like it really is treason and in fact on the news they go the only word for it is light treason like <laughs> kind of thing and um so arrested development just has these and not only just is the plot laid out but the jokes the jokes are long form as well i, I would make this gag you know you hear of running uh, of a running joke in Arrested Development, the jokes run marathons. Yeah. Like they just they keep going on for ages and ages. Um, like the so there's this great gag with um, Charlize Theron's character. She's in the third series, uh, where it turns out like she's mentally handicapped. But they set that up yeah. for ages in ways that you would never notice. All these great little gags that set up the fact that she's um, that she's she's mentally handicapped. There's even a plot line they dropped. Which was that one of the main characters was supposed to be an albino black guy. The actor is white, but the gag was that he was actually black, and no one knew this. And there's all these references to it; they just never paid it off in the end. But um, there's a constant, constant setup, setup, setup of storylines. A Buster losing his hand yeah. is just set up for so long you don't even notice that's Lucille. coming. Lucille, a Job <laughs> and his illegitimate son, Steve Holt. Uh, that's set up. Uh, I actually recently, as I cook, uh, I put Netflix on my phone and I watched all of Rest of Development recently, and it just the it's just constant like it's just one continuous segue of storyline, and it's I've never and I've never seen any any sitcom do this to this extent. Never. And, and season four, in and of itself, as well, you were mentioning is is a farce within a farce. Season four is the most complex comedy I can think of that's ever been written ever it is a farce told over 15 episodes so that's what seven and a half hours so it's a yeah. seven and a half hour farce told from nine different points of view 
that takes place over the course of 10 years. And inside that farce is a murder mystery farce that you don't even know is happening until the climax of the season. <laughs> and I would say it was probably too much, right? <laughs> it's, all, it's like you're, you're so busy trying to work it out, it's not really that funny. I watched, I mean, I've seen that season like twice now. And knowing full well what happens in it, like, ah, I get it now. But I'm not laughing because, like, it's just, it's gone too far it's down too there. Good. It's too It's too complex. There are some things in it, though, that are hilarious, that are really, really funny. But um, as a whole, it's it's not as tight as the first three series. But um, And one of the major problems with the fourth series is that all the characters are on their own. And yeah. what's fun about Arrested Development is how they all interact. But was Was that part of the fact they couldn't get all those actors back together at the same time or did they design that season I think they designed that season that way Uh, yeah I think they wanted to explain I think in their heads what they thought would happen was they do the fourth season explain what happened in the ten years of the hiatus that the show had and then they just get renewed for a fifth season and just carry on. And that's when they could get everybody back together. And, and it would just be back to normal again. Sure. But I think what happened was the fourth season didn't do as well as everyone had hoped. And so it took a little while for them to go, come on, greenlight the fifth season. And so they've greenlit the fifth season, which I'm really excited for because I hope it will be yeah. returned to form. There's no reason for them to be apart. Um, but okay. yeah, so Rest of Development just does this long-form plotting that... So in comedy, people think like, oh, you just have, like, stuff happens and that's it. Episodes are self-contained. Self-contained, or the, and Arrest Development shows. No, you can have really densely plotted, long-form work. In, I mean, like a comedy isn't um, isn't structurally light. It doesn't mean when you do comedy, you don't have to think about structure or turning points yeah. or anything like that. Arrest Development shows you can have a comedy that is as richly densely plotted as any long-form work out there like Breaking Bad or yeah, anything like that. it's possible. You're not restricted yeah. in that regard. You're just not restricted in that regard. And as opposed to what, as I said, shows that I like, like Frasier would do, which is after a while, a certain dynamic has become repetitive and so they just change it. And unfortunately... Sometimes that works though. Like uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah, okay. So Parks and Rec's very interesting because they, they the whole cast ran out of jokes. It just stopped working. I remember it was towards the middle of the fourth season, I think. It's, there's no jokes anymore. And I was just like, they've exhausted their characters. And the fifth season comes along and I'm bored and it's not funny. The characters just, there's nothing there. Then halfway through the fifth season, they come up with this brilliant idea. They have a neighboring town called Eagleton. Which has already been present in early yeah, seasons. They've been bringing it up loads of times, but they never really did anything with it. And what they do is they bring Eagleton fully into the show. And so there's loads of Eagletonians hanging around with all the people of Pawnee, which is the main place of the show. And so by bringing in essentially a second cast, um, all these characters had new dynamics with which they could do things with. And in fact, one of my favorite characters in the show, and in fact, I think most people's favorite character in the show, comes along in there, which is Councilman Jam. Who is one of the funniest things? He's <laughs> just like he's such he's such an idiot. He's just so funny, Councilman Jam. Um, and so Parks and Rec, uh, what was so impressive was they actually f- realized that problem and fixed it in a really interesting way. They gave yeah. all their characters something new uh, to do, but that wasn't. But uh, it, it it wasn't set up to. do It wasn't that. set up, and it's not really a plot. It was more of a. Um, I think it last that storyline lasted a season or something. Sure. So it was just like a temporary thing to kick the show back into 
uh, a good place, which it did. Yeah. Um, and to freshen it up. Uh, but as I, but again, it's the same thing, which is like it's not that the fixes are going to be bad or anything. It's just that it's not plotted out that way. And Arrested Development, on the other hand, really is plotted out that way. Okay, so that's long form. Yes. Uh, the next show is all about the darkness. <laughs> yeah. The darkness which, which of comedy. Which is irony, considering the title of the show, yeah. which is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, right? I understand. Yeah. So that show is... I can't think of a comedy as dark <laughs> as this show. And one of the ways it gets away with it is that the music sounds like a 1950s infomercial. <laughs> that kind of stuff and it's called it's always sunny in philadelphia but actually it's the darkest most grotesque show it is grotesque that's it is the perfect like, word for it every episode of that show will will make jokes about suicide drug addiction pedophilia rape child molestation murder regularly uh, and maybe all of them at the same time yeah. <laughs> like one of the main characters in the show is a serial rapist like he is a proper serial rapist and he is funny i don't know <laughs> he's just so funny and he's so messed up like it's terrifying um if you haven't seen the show by the way um <laughs> we recommend you watch it because we're not crazy people here so, <laughs> really saying not. that it's really funny. It's really, really funny. Like from a, from a from a craft point of view, it is fascinating to see how they pull they this get comedy out of uh, these subjects. They do. Uh, it's, it's, there's like because sometimes that the one of the characters will go into this really dark place, and the other characters are very aware of how dark this is, and they're like, "Dude, this is really dark right now." Like there's there's an episode where um, one of the characters, Sweet D, has been a surrogate mother. And Sweet D has been the mother, given the kid away, but has cla- is claiming the kid is a dependent on her taxes. And she gets audited. And so she's trying to kind of pretend that she has a kid. And she tells the guys to steal a kid for her and all this stuff. And then one of the characters goes, no, no, D, here's what you do. Here's how you solve this. And cut to a fake funeral for the baby. <laughs> and the character's going, this is really dark for us <laughs> it's like yeah <laughs> just having having a funeral for this kid that didn't exist and like just to try and pull this off and d despite the fact that she in her head thinks she's going to be an actor one day is such a bad actor she can't cry and so one of the characters sprays her with mace Right, so she starts crying, but she's just standing there. She's not crying; she's just in pain, and her eyes start bleeding. And it's just like this is so so wrong, but it's very, it's really funny. Um, yeah, so that shows. Okay, one of the main characters in the show, a recurring character in the show, is a character called Rickety Cricket. Okay, he enters the show as a priest, and within one season, they've addicted him to crack. Okay. They made him we've, la- we've lost Bass. They addict. They addict Rickety Cricket to crack cocaine. What was the next bit? And they made him homeless. And they made him homeless. <laughs> it's just he gets worse and worse for him. And then you got the McPoyle characters who are incestuous. It's just so this show is really messed up, and I can't stop laughing about it. But. The thing is, what's amazing is these characters are so deluded. Their blind obsessions are so sick and twisted. 
And they, every now and again, at the end of the episode, they realize how messed up they are. And they just go, let's forget. And they forget. And so every episode, it's like there's no progression for these characters, no continuity. Yet everyone they hurt is constantly progressed. So all the horrible things they do to people, everyone remembers but them. Yeah. Which, in turn, makes it really funny. So that there's a bit where, where, they, where um, they're, they're trying to squash all their beefs. Thanksgiving, they've called all the people they've angered throughout nine seasons of the show. And Rickety Cricket shows up and they go, why are you here? He goes, I hear you're squashing beef. And he's like, they're like, so? It's like, I've got mad beef with you. It's like, why? I used to be a priest until I met you guys. And like, they always forget why Cricket is in the situation that he's in. They never remember that it's his fault that they've destroyed this man. Okay, I fear if we keep talking about uh, Philly, we're going to lose you forever. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, shows uh, then. Comedy shows that... Uh, yeah, so dark. So it's very dark, this show. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of shows don't do darkness. What they do is they go zany. So Friends, I liked Friends a lot. Yeah. Uh, and there's a bit where they touch on darkness where Ross has a mental breakdown over someone eating his sandwich, which is one of the funniest moments in Friends. Yeah. My sandwich! My sandwich! And he just gets fired because he's gone mentally crazy, right? But then after that, what they do is David Schwimmer just overacts all the time. He used to be quite reserved. Mm. And then after that, he just gets overacts, overacts, overacts. It's overacts. A, a fun exercise. If you watch a latter episode yeah. of Friends and then watch one of the very early ones, yeah. season one or two, and just compare... how Just how drastically different yeah. everyone is. All the characters get zanier and zanier and zanier. They don't get darker. Um, and that's generally how... If, if a sitcom's going to progress... They j- typically they just make it a char- they under motivate their characters and over exaggerate their blind obsessions. Which, uh, yeah, w- which is funny to a point. It you're, is funny to a point. But you're laughing at the over uh, the overacting as opposed to exactly. And when it's when it's motivated, it's hilarious. It can be really funny. Like there was an episode of Friends where um, Ross is absolutely offended at the idea that Rachel and Lisa, uh, not Lisa, Rachel and Phoebe are taking um, karate lessons. And he's like, you do not have unagi. Unagi. And his absolute refusal to accept this concept that other people can learn karate and that he's a master of karate creates this hilarious series of events in that episode, right? Uh, But other times he just overacts because Mm -hmm. he's not motivated effectively. And so zaniness is what creeps in instead of darkness. Whereas Philly is just dark. Motivated it's darkness. It's just dark, dark, dark. So another example then of darkness, but um, yeah. done differently and, and not as well. Family yeah. Guy. Yeah, which is just shock value. Yeah. Uh, so ev- it, everything it has... is under. Uh, everything's unmotivated. And we we were talking about this, and um, it has the. I mean, I guess almost the same level of darkness. It touches on some of those um, themes that Philly does, but when it comes in, it is shock value. Yeah. And you laugh out of shock and out yes. of almost nervousness as opposed to... Yes. I remember watching characters. Family Guy with... A, I think it was at your house, actually, when you were living at RPG. Yeah. Uh, and you guys were all watching Family Guy and I wasn't laughing. And I'd had enough. And I just started watching all of you watching Family Guy. And I noticed that the way you guys were laughing was it was that nervous laugh of, I'm supposed to be laughing, but I don't know why. Which is not the real laugh. 
that you get from something when you watch Faulty Towers or Philly or Arrested mm. Development, which is you laugh because you get it. Yeah. Not because, oh, it doesn't make sense, therefore... <laughs> that kind of laugh. It's like, oh, I almost can't say any... I can't make a sound because I'm laughing so hard, which is what I just did with Philly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's that kind of laugh. It's just like, geez, this is so deep somewhere, deep inside. There was a show called um, Samantha Who. Yes. Which has Melissa McCarthy in it. Yes. And I remember watching this show going, she is the most incredible comic actress I've ever seen. <laughs> like, she was so amazing. And the reason why she would say these things, and you could tell that inside this character's head is a hell. Like, there is a nightmare inside this character, but it was always just on the bubbling just beneath the surface, and she never did anything with it. Um, and so, like, these comedies can be really dark, but Family Guy doesn't do, Family Guy doesn't do that. Family Guy is just, like, rude. Yeah, there you it's go. It's just and that, rude. And that's, that's the difference. Yeah, it's just like if we're rude enough, it's like fifteen-year-olds laughing when they write penis or something. It's just like, or, you know. It's a shame because for me, the uh, early seasons of Family Guy work. Yeah, what was that one you were telling me about? Uh, there's an episode in I think season one where um, Peter's favorite show gets cancelled, um, and so in order to get it back on the air, he. Um, uh, he gets his son Chris to pretend he's got a life-threatening disease, a terminal disease, so they can ask the Make-A-Wish Foundation to uh, get it back on air, which is just horrific. <laughs> you know, they get there's a whole uh, group of teenagers that gather outside the house with candlelight vigil, and they're singing for uh, <laughs> singing for Chris. I think death even may may even turn up in that episode, but it's been a long time. Yeah. But you know that's that's motivated darkness. Whereas, yes. Um, yeah. You're, la- yeah. There's like actually a story there. Yeah, and uh, the, la- the latter family guys just have have built this uh, they've built this kind of franchise on um, uh, unmotivated incongruity. Yeah. You know something exactly horrific happens out of nowhere and then for no reason for no reason and then the characters say something ridiculously offensive for no reason and yeah. then they go ah if you took offence that's because you can't laugh at yourself it's like no it's probably because you're just rude <laughs> um, and actually the, I mean this is something that uh, this is a nice segue onto our next show uh, something that South Park uh, called yes. them on in the uh, South Park really did eviscerate them for this yeah quite rightly uh, to do that <laughs> what's They're, the name of that two-parter again Cartoon Wars Cartoon Wars thank yeah, you yeah they just ripped them to pieces um, I, I was actually just thinking as you were talking about that family guy thing about the the, the plot of of one episode of Philly which was um, Dee and Charlie keep stealing Frank's exotic meats from the fridge <laughs> Frank being played by Danny DeVito, and Frank is so sick of it, he leaves some meat out for them to steal, and they eat it, and he comes in and goes, do you know what meat, you, you, you guys can't see this, but Luke is like, curled over laughing at this. It's because <laughs> I know what's coming. <laughs> and, and Frank comes in and goes, you guys have just eaten human meat. And then Dee and Charlie think they've become cannibals, and have the hunger. But yeah, and, that's and it. no... it's not the fact that they think they've just eaten human meat. It's that they then decide that they need more. <laughs> they try to eat other kinds of meat and nothing satisfies them the way that one did. So they're convinced that they are now cannibals. That they've got the hunger. <laughs> and they end up going into the morgue to eat somebody. And there's two bodies in the morgue. And they start arguing over whether or not it's racist that they only want to eat the white guy and not the black guy. <laughs> and you just... Like, this... I, I like that's so 
brilliant. <laughs> it's so good. And it's just like, that's cannibalism has now become funny. How did you pull that off? Um, whereas, you know, Family Guy does not do that. Okay, um, uh, South Park. So South then. Park. South Park, on the other hand, what you've, what you've what's interesting about both the rest of the and Sunny in Philadelphia uh, is that we kept talking about how important motivation and causality is. And what's great about South Park is their dedication to craft is incredible. South Park is so, so tightly plotted. Uh, they focus on story in a way I don't think any other comedians do. Uh, and if you you can go on YouTube, I was going to say this. another great exercise. If you haven't listened to them already, yeah. going onto YouTube and listening to some of the commentaries that they've done, yeah, they're all short. They get bored after three minutes talking yeah. about after an five. Yeah, like they're just like you know, I've had we're bored of this episode. We'll go to the next one because yeah. they know they they worked the episode so much, yeah, that they can condense the process of it in five minutes. Yeah, and what they say about their work is more insightful than I mean, it's like a masterclass. For example, there's an episode I loved called Margarine. And that episode is... Um, no, not Margarine. Beg your pardon. Um, no, no, what was the episode? Oh, it was the episode with Towley. Towley, by the way. <laughs> Tow- Towley in South Park is one of these amazing characters. He's a talking towel who keeps getting high. Uh, You're just, the worst character ever, Towley. I know. <laughs> like, he's just like that. He just walks in and he goes, Don't forget to bring a towel. You want to get high? <laughs> Just this talking towel. They do an episode which is a satire of the million fiber, a million, uh, little, million little fibers. Million no, little fibers. Sorry, uh, it's a, uh, no. That's the name. That's of the that name episode. of Towley's book, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a million little something, whatever it was. Uh, and it was in, uh, it was a book in America. Oprah yeah. Winfrey backed it. Turned out it was all fake, and so she brought him on camera again and sort of had a go at him for lying to everybody. Um, uh, and um, but it was a book that helped people, it, it? or something like that. And so Towley writes his book, A Million Little Fibers, which is and the whole thing is a satire of that scandal. Mm. And so they have Towley on Oprah Winfrey, and there's a subplot in this, which is Oprah Winfrey's vagina and her asshole are plotting to like create a crime so they can run away to Paris, right? And they beautifully, in their commentary for this, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the writer of South Park, point out the problem with this episode, which is they go, it's a hat on a hat. And they go, there's this old thing. You wear one hat, that's funny. But you wear two hats, and that's just stupid. And we forget <laughs> Towley isn't normal for people. We think of Towley as a regular character, but he's not. He's a hat. And having a talking vagina and arsehole is another hat. So he had a hat on a hat, and it didn't work, right? And they just go through all their stuff like this. They talk about how this episode should be two episodes. We have two good ideas here, not one. And we should have separated them, and we never really made them gel properly. And they talk about how to make causality work. They're so self-aware. They're Incredibly the, the self-aware. Co- the commentary for the, the episode with um, Britney Spears. Yes, uh, where she yeah. um, she tries to commit suicide, and for the rest of the episode has half a head and communicates just in gurgles. And there's a moment about uh, four minutes in or so where I think this happens for yeah. the first time. And in the commentary, they uh, they say, um, "This is the point where you're either on the train or you're not." Yeah, you know, this episode we know lots of people hate it. Yeah, because it just goes very far, like almost too far. Um, and they're aware of all this. Yeah. 
they're which very, is why they're incredibly so well. interesting to listen to. Yeah, and they've been going for 18 seasons, right? And they keep yeah. getting better. And so they, and one of the interesting things that they do as well is they have no gag lines. One of the things they do when they get new writers in is they just throw, if, they, if the guy keeps coming up with gag lines, they go, you're out. Like, I, gag lines are funny, but what a lot of writing teams will do is they'll go, they have a very basic plot that isn't funny. And they throw gag lines at it until it's funny. One of the things that you see with live action, uh, live action, live performance ones, like Friends, like Frasier, whatever, mm. if someone, if a joke falls flat, they grab the writers to one side, and the writers sit there desperately trying to come up with a one-liner. They say, "Say this line." They say the one-liner. They get the laugh. That's what goes in. They're fixing it by trying to find a good one-liner. There's actually... They do this with New Girl as well. Yeah. They, they have two writer's rooms for New Girl. They yes. Have a, they have yeah. one of them that works on the plotting and the structure, and they have another writer's room which just comes up for different uh, with different punchlines for certain jokes. Right. And they have, at the end of episodes, uh, some of those outtakes of these different lines. And the first time I saw it, I wasn't aware of the second writer's room. I thought, my God, these guys are wonderful improvisers. But actually, I, what I presume has happened is that they've been fed all these different yep. punchlines. So in effect, because it's not filmed in front of an audience, they can then see which one works the best. Well, yeah, and Philly does this. Philly, for example, they'll do the scripted take, and then they'll do improv takes. And then in the editing room, oh, they'll really? pick whichever one they think is best. But um, the, the difference with South Park is... South Park, for example, they are constantly improvising. They'll record something, a- animate it, and then within an hour they can see whether or not it works, cut it, do it. But what the difference between South Park and us is they don't use gag lines. They just know if the story is funny, if the characters are motivated well enough, and that the events follow properly, if the story is funny, it is funny, and they don't need to waste their time on gag lines. And they iterate it over and over and over again. They make a like an episode in a week, but it's almost like they don't sleep in that week. Mm. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Like th- the amount of cut ideas, things they didn't even put up on the board, let alone what they put up on the board, took down and replaced, must be staggering. Like this, also- the discipline. The, the amount of effort it takes for them to week on week come up with these new ideas yeah. because it is very topical. Yeah, they this, like this to be satire. as satirical as they can. Um, but they always go into a season yeah. with a breather episode, don't they, where they've got one... They stopped pre- doing that. Oh, have they stopped doing it? They stopped it? doing it. They didn't like it anymore. They, they stopped <laughs> doing it. But they, so they've just made it harder because for themselves. They, they, I think they found out that the banked episodes were always the worst episodes. Ah. Because they were the ones that uh, they didn't put the much as much effort into because they had more time or whatever. Or whatever. I don't know how it worked. Uh, but that's, I guess, that um, you know, that's yeah. dedication to the craft, but, isn't it? Yeah, but that's the thing. They're so self-aware and so considered about their craft that every episode they do, even when it's the most insane gibberish that they want to come up with, it makes sense. Like the story just works, and like the NASCAR episode with Cartman, <laughs> who's like he's desperate to become a NASCAR uh, driver, but the problem is he has. He thinks he's too rich and too smart to be a NASCAR driver. And so, like, they have him start drinking Vagisil to get stupider. And, like, he drinks so much he has vaginas growing on the inside of his body. And it's just, this is totally insane. But at the same time, like, you watch the actual episode and it's just hilarious. And they just, it just, it just follows. It's really tight. Yeah. And so the craft of South Park is really impressive. That And what's more impressive is because South Park is essentially toilet humor. Yes. It is the bottom of the barrel 
bassist stuff. It's baser than Philly. Yeah. Way baser than Philly. Uh, it's not that it's necessarily darker, it's just baser. They have a whole episode just about doing the biggest poo. Right. <laughs> they do. And uh, that was their attack on the Emmys, right? Yeah. They were saying, like, you've given a shit the Emmys. They're referring to themselves. Um <laughs> So, like, their, their stuff is so, so based. Toilet humour. Like, it's the kind of thing where people just normally uh, just think, like, oh, that's not even... You're just an idiot. Or all that stuff. But these guys, they take it... Like, they put far more effort into their work than most writers do. And it's just... And it's it's and it's about subject matter. That, <laughs> you know? But, um... Okay, yeah. counterpoint then. Yeah, so a counterpoint to South Park craft would be if you look at The Simpsons now. But the latter, yeah, latter yeah. Simpsons. So the first, well, I say the latter sim- seasons of The Simpsons. The Simpsons been running for almost twenty-eight years, and they were good for six. So, the first six okay. seasons. So, like, it's really actually it's less the latter Simpsons and more the majority of the Simpsons. Have you have you actually seen them all? No, no. I stopped. I st- every now and again someone will say you should watch this episode of The Simpsons it's like it's a good one and I watch it and I don't laugh because it's not funny but but we should we we should highlight the fact that of those first six seasons you must have seen 33 times each oh, if not more <laughs> I can quote most of them like, they're, they're, they're masterpieces those things but if you look at the first few seasons of The Simpsons one of the great joys you could do is you could put on a random episode of The Simpsons from the beginning and try to work out which episode it is and the joy of this is you have to remember the co- chain of events. That... You mean put an episode on in the middle of the show? No, no, at the very beginning of the episode, you just oh. put it on, uh, but you don't know which episode it is. You just oh, put right. a random one you. on. You. you just don't know which one. And you have to remember the chain of events that lead to what goes on next. And what's brilliant about it is the episodes are so well plotted and so well motivated. It's like a rush just to remember the chain of events. Like one of the best episodes, which is Homer sitting in the kitchen, opens his newspaper and starts going, Trampampoline! Triscampoline! And he finds there's a free trampoline available. So he goes, gets the free trampoline, but the trampoline is, like, cursed. And Marge complains that the trampoline is dangerous, and Homer goes, no, it's not dangerous. And then he has all the kids come round and play on the trampoline, and they all get horribly injured. So he throws the trampoline away, and Marge says, I told you the trampoline was a bad idea. And he goes, well, at least I'm trying new things. You're stuck in the mud. And then Marge feels bad about herself, so she goes to a self-help guy, and the self-help guy tells everyone that Bart is the model of human sanity, so everyone starts copying Bart, and they have their do-what-you-feel festival, which goes horribly wrong, and a mob breaks out, and they try to lynch Bart. That's the episode, right? (laughs) And it's just so beautifully done. It's like, now, on the other hand, Simpsons episode, there's no craft at all. And Simpsons episodes kind of go like this... Homer does something that is essentially criminally stupid. He then ends up having to, as a result of this, go somewhere like Brazil or Australia or something. He goes there. Then once he's there, they get into some hijinks that are very stereotypical. They meet someone famous from that place (laughs) for no reason at all. And then they go home after Deus Ex Machina tells them they can (laughs) <laughs> that is The Simpsons now. That's what they've become. Uh, I, I saw an episode recently, and I can't. I saw it last week. I cannot remember the plot, and I cannot remember why Yo Yo Ma was in it, but he was, and he played Bach on the cello. I don't get it. 
I don't remember why. And I saw it a week ago. I'm pretty good at remembering stuff that happens <laughs> in shows. And I'm just, I'm so bored by this. So, like, the craft in 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 certain shows is just in a lot of comedies is gagline 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 weird joke slapstick this, this 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 the craft with with the simpsons are we now i mean are we thinking that show's just exhausted or is it lazy just lazy plotting i i don't <clears throat> i think the show is not i i don't think the show is exhausted because at the end of when it was good it wasn't exhausted yeah, and then what changed was not that suddenly these characters weren't funny; it's that they kept putting them in the ludicrous situations. <clears throat> what made Simpsons great was that the world they were in obeyed real laws. Yeah, and the characters were funny. It was essentially a, a regular sitcom. It just was animated. Yeah, and because it was animated, they could do things you couldn't do in live action because of budgetary problems. And you could have certain things happen that were totally wacky and cartoony that you couldn't do in live action. Things like that. Yeah. But by and large, it was real. One of the big things is Homer isn't rich. Right? Homer works for a living. There's an episode where Apu goes to India and the writers had a big argument over whether or not Homer can afford to go to India. Now... There's nothing like that anymore. The world is completely inconsistent and preposterous. The characters don't make any sense. They're completely unmotivated. And there's no, so I don't think it's because the thing is exhausted. I think it's because the writers have no discipline, which is what makes South Park so impressive. Sure. South Park is, is so disciplined, and The Simpsons used to be so disciplined. Like, they used to be so beautifully crafted. Every episode. The monorail episode. <laughs> monorail. Monorail. Like, I just can't... Like, the six, the first six years of The Simpsons... Well, maybe not season one. Uh, but definitely series three to six. Those series, at least. Every episode is just magnificent. Just beautifully crafted. And then after that, it starts to lose its way a little bit. Mm. But there are still some gems here and there. But now it's there's no discipline. That's the thing. There's just no discipline. There's no restrictions on what Bart is capable of, on what Homer is capable of, on what these characters are capable of, on what you can do in Springfield and what you can't do in Springfield. It's like there's no... Nothing is, is there to do it. Whereas in South Park, they break their reality. They do all kinds of crazy things all the time, but they go, okay, why is this happening? How does this click to that thing? They use a satire to hold everything together. And so it's very, very disciplined. They go, okay, this isn't funny. This is. This doesn't make sense. This does. If we're going to do this, we have to set that up here. If we're going to pay that off here, fine. Then that, because that was a good setup at this point, we need to pay this off. We can't just leave this dangling. We need to have a good resolution to this. Even though what they're doing is preposterous, base, mm. silly. It's just so disciplined, but The Simpsons, no. And I would, and as I say, I don't think Philly is as disciplined as South Park. It's very funny, but it's not. There's a lot of episodes where they kind of just peter out the ending, but they get yeah. away with it because they they get away with it because it's just funny. Yeah. Um, but there are times where it's like, ah, I wish you guys had a bit more discipline here. Mm-hmm. Like there's, for example, one of our favorite episodes, right? The quarantine episode. Yes. I love the quarantine episode. In this episode, the gang are terrified of getting sick. 
So they quarantine themselves in a bar, and <laughs> and as they break quarantine, they keep getting Danny DeVito keeps throwing them into the bathroom. So there's a second quarantine inside the quarantine, and they get sicker and sicker once they're in the in the toilet. And it turns out they're not actually sick; they're suffering from alcohol withdrawal. They're terrible, terrible alcoholics, right? Which is really it's really great. But then they go, how do we get out of the bathroom? And then Charlie says, oh, well, I, I have the key. And you're like, that's not you. That's not a good resolution to how to get out of the bathroom. But then they go, after that, they immediately pay off the Danny DeVito character and the barbershop thing and the whole hair thing when he goes to the hospital and everyone's covered in hair. So if you watch the episode, you'll see what I mean. Like The actual ending of it is very funny. Yeah. But how they get them out of the bathroom and into the hospital is really weak. And that's where you kind of want to go. You need a you need discipline. That's true. I I had missed that beat completely. Yeah. Because what happens immediately before and immediately afterwards is it's, hilarious. It's just brilliant. Yeah. I think yeah. you're still laughing from the joke before. But that, over that exactly. Point. It's that segue to yeah. it where it's just like that is not a good beat. And South Park would de- desperately go like that's not good enough. Okay, so South Park Craft, It's Always Sun in Philadelphia, Darkness, yes. and Arrested Development Long Form. Yes. Let's wrap this up. What do we take away for our own writing, Obasim? <laughs> so, so patronising. <laughs> uh, uh, I would suggest that what you take away is that um, you, there isn't a formula to comedy, and that it's a lot less restrictive than you think it is. Don't look at shows like Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory and think this is comedy. Yeah, comedies just have to be this way. Uh, Especially now that we don't even really have prime time anymore. People just watch things online. Oh, because Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. You don't don't even need to worry about uh, watershed things and things like that. Like, you just don't need to do it. Instead, it's just better to, you know, have the discipline of South Park. Go to the parts of life you want to go to, as Philly does. And if you have that desire to just, uh, if you want to do something with an unfolding narrative, you can. You can take any comedy about any subject matter you want, and you can make it as richly plotted as a long form, any long form story. You can make it as richly dark as any drama, and you can make it richly disciplined as any piece of literature. Comedy isn't is an excuse to slack, you know. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's it. That was a long one. <laughs> but most of it was us laughing okay bye <laughs>